scripture. If you know much about the Bible, uh, go there with me. And um, Exodus 20 in verse 1, there say amen. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then our key verses we've been doing throughout this series, I've been doing Galatians 6, 6, let him that is taught in the word communicate to him that teacheth in all good things, be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. For he that soweth in his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth in the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well doing. In due season. Everybody say due season. We shall reap if we faint not. You may be seated. Amen. Martin Luther King Jr. said, If I cannot do great things I can do small things in a great way we all want to do great things but sometimes we just need to do those small things in a great way and those small things done in a great way will eventually become great things the old saying Rome wasn't built in a night ain't that the saying and um, a day I'm sorry thank you wasn't built in a day and uh, this really sums up this series and the power of us eating this elephant. We all have them in our life. And we are here, I am here at Sunday school to deal with the elephants in this room. <laughs> and I've been picking on particular ones, picking them out. We know that the South African angelic cleric Desmond Tutu said there's only one way to eat this elephant is one bite at a time so today we're going to deal with another daunting overwhelming and what can seem like impossible thing that we can accomplish by taking just one bite at a time you talk about prayer we've talked about relationship both those are so important last week we talked about consistency how that is really the fuel for great prayer and great relationship. And the next one today is found in this Old Testament. Um, it's found in this Old Testament passage. And the third verse of this passage, which is the latter part of here, said, The Lord said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So today I'm going to talk about this elephant of priorities. Everybody say Priorities. Priorities means the condition of being prior or predecessor or preceding, the right of precedence over others, something given specified attention. It's my first priority. So something that is priority in our life is something that we make first or we make it the most urgent thing in our lives. And how often have we said or heard somebody say, maybe they've said it to you, they have me at times, you need to get your priorities straight in life. Anybody ever had that said to you? I have. Um, had people tell me, I've had the Lord tell me that a few times. 
get your priorities right. So, this is what I'm talking about today. I'm going to talk about priorities. What's meant by this thing to get the priorities straight is they need to make the main thing the main thing in their lives. I mean, Lake T.F. Tenney, I think, it said that, well, at least I've heard him say, I don't know who it originated from, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That kind of sums this up. But the problem is we don't understand what the main thing is. And that's my job today is to try to help us understand that there is in our churches and in life a great big issue with us not realizing what the main thing is. Because here's the truth. You can look at somebody's life and you can figure out what the main thing is because they make it priority in their life. You can always tell that. So we're going to talk about what the main thing is today or should be to help us get this elephant of priorities in control. Because I'm going to tell you, we have an epidemic with people not knowing what priority, what needs to be priority in our lives. And many people have made a mess of their lives by having wrong priorities in their life. We take, for example, we know that working is important, but we've had men, more men than these ladies, that have made working such a priority that they lose, uh, their, lose their relationship with God, their family, and even their kids. And then we've had, uh, I'm just going to be real practical and frank with some of this, we've had and this seems like this happens more with the ladies that they made keeping their health in such a place and being at the right size in life that it becomes vanity in their world and that becomes their God instead of God being their God. And we need to be healthy. We need to, be, we need to work. So I'm not saying this stuff is wrong, but when we have it in the right order, it puts it in the right place. And perhaps Rick Warren gives us, uh, the one who wrote, the uh, purpose-driven church, purpose-driven life, and all of that. Uh, he said this. He, he'll give us some great insight uh, to what this elephant of priorities is all about to us, to, really to the world. I say it to the child of God, but, but to, to us for sure that's trying to live right. He says, living in light of eternity changes your priorities. And that's what we got to do. We got to live in light of eternity. Because in reality, that should be our priority that we want to make sure that we spend eternity in the right place. And as human beings living on planet Earth, eternity must take precedence over everything else this life has to offer or in this world. It has to be eternity. And if we are to be all God has called us to do and be, we must tackle this elephant today of what is our priority in our life. Andy Stanley said this. Uh, he's got some really good books, and he's a denominal preacher out there, but he's got some really good books. And he, he said this. He said, we don't drift in good directions. We discipline and prioritize ourselves there. We're not going to drift into the place that... that the main thing is the main thing in our life. We, we have to get some discipline in our life, get some priorities in our life to be able to get to the place we need to be. Jesus said it in Matthew 6, toward the end of his sermon 
on the mount, kind of actually kind of in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But this verse, the unfiction to read, should really put priorities in perspective and help us better than any, maybe any other verse in the Word of God when it comes to what priorities is. This is Jesus' condensed version of Exodus chapter 20. When he said in Matthew 22, verse 37, 38, Jesus said, speaking to the lawyer, he had asked him a question of what the greatest commandment, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. If we went on to read, he'd say, the second one is like to this, love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, on these two commandments hang all the prophets. And, 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 but the first thing is this. We've got to love God with everything within us. How does that look? It's easy to say, oh, you've got to love God with everything. But then we have, in my experience in 15 years of endeavoring to pastor people, oh, I, pastor, I love God with all my heart, but I see them once every two or three weeks. I see them once every few months. I see their world falling apart. Um, I see them in compromised situations when it comes biblically. And I know this because Facebook, all right? You can't hide stuff think you're going to hide stuff and plaster it all over Facebook, all right? And if they don't have it, the Lord will show them, or he'll show somebody else, and they'll come tell him. That's how it usually goes. <laughs> those, those saying, be sure your sins will find you out, right? But this is a condition that we need to get in our heart. And Jesus, in these verses I just read, he condensed the Ten Commandments, which was given to Moses thousands of years ago in Exodus 20, he condensed them down to these two. Basically, love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. And you can see that of the Ten Commandments. But if we broaden out, spread out the Ten Commandments, they, we call them Ten Commandments, but here's the thing. They're commandments from God, but they're good principles to live by. All right? There are good things to put in our life to have that becomes a priority in our life. Because we see almost all systems, uh, belief systems out here, they, they, they consider the Ten Commandments as a good thing for our human race. And they are kind of brief, but they're very clear directives from God that can if we'll make them priorities in our life, they will have us to have a better life, period. All right? Even, now, let me just say this. Even if somebody didn't go to church all the time, if we live, if people, it's what people used to call, hey, they're good moral people, but they just don't go to church. Now, we don't see that as much as we used to. I remember being young, you know, being a teenager, I, I hear mom and dad say stuff like, well, they're good moral people, they just don't go to church. What do they mean? By and large, they... they Use the Ten Commandments to live by. You know, they didn't commit adultery on their wife, and uh, they, they made sure they might not have went to church on Sunday, but they also kind of kept it sacred and things like that, you know. And we just see that there was principles. They, they treated people right and acted right. They just, they wasn't born again. We don't see that as much as we used to, but if we just use those 
as a principle in our life, it can make life a lot better. But here's the thing. These Ten Commandments, they're not just sayings. They're not meant to... Um, but but they, are, they, they are meant for us to translate into some holy actions on our part. And there's... These Ten Commandments, they should hold us accountable. And if we really want to live in a godly place that we need to be, we need to make sure that these commandments become a priority in our life. See, God gave these Ten Commandments to help, to help us know what to keep priority in our life, right? And they're not, they're not meant to hurt us. Ten Commandments are not meant to hurt us. They're not to meant to restrict us, but they're meant to release into our life the blessings of God. They're not meant to punish us, but they're meant to protect us. And every time God says don't, it's for our benefit. And if we, we ignore His commands, it's going to hurt us. And it may hurt others, but it's really going to hurt us. They're not ten suggestions, but they're ten commandments. Uh, I've heard this said, and I've shared this with the church before. If you jump out of a 10-story window and ignore God's law of gravity, you don't break God's law, they break you. It's the same way with the commandments. If we break God's 10 commandments, really, we're not really breaking them. They're breaking us when we don't live by them. It's so true. So, godly priorities. What is our priorities? Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says that we must commit to these commandments completely, wholeheartedly. He said, I'm giving these, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing here today, I'm giving these to you, I want you to keep them with everything you got, and I want you to repeat them again and again to your children. You see, because they're a very important part and should be of our families, Sister Janet. And if we make them priority in our lives, we obey them, our lives, our homes, our church will be blessed when we make God's commandment priority, Sister Valma. We put that in our spirit. If we make them and this Bible that we so love priority in our house, then God will make us his priority. That's just how it really works. So, these verses in Exodus chapter 2 that I've read, have back behind me again. This is the beginning of the Ten Commandments, all right? And God spake, if you didn't know where the Ten Commandments are in the Bible, this is where they are. Exodus chapter 20. You can go down through there, you can mark it, you can pick out what each of those are. Of course, we have the, we have the bookmarks, we have them on the walls, we have them in different places. Um, we used to have a lot of our, our government systems. Now they're trying to take them down. That's part of what's wrong with our world now. It's, uh, there's not commandments. It's not a priority no more to keep his commandments. But if our country would go back to that, we'd have a better country. Can I get an amen? But God spoke, uh, Exodus 21, and God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Somebody say that. No other gods. And let me tell you, the order of the Ten Commandments is not random. 
He puts it in priority for our life. All right? The first of the commandments deal with God. The last of the commandments deal with our brothers or sisters in this world. Same thing Jesus said in the book of Matthew that I read a while ago. Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, strength, and mind, and thy neighbors himself. Basically, he just condensed it down into two commandments, but the Ten Commandments breaks it down a little better and tells us how to keep God priority. So, we look at the first commandment. Really, we can look at that as being the first priority, the foundation for us to have a strong life, a strong family, and to have a strong church. Amen. It's the very first commandment, and it is the most important commandment. Because here's the thing. If I'm loving my neighbor as myself, but yet I'm not putting God first, then my priorities are messed up. Right? Here, let me take it farther. If I'm keeping the Sabbath and making it holy and come to church, but yet I'm still not putting God first, I've got it out of sync. So priorities is so important how we keep it lined out in what we do in our life. And nowadays we have so many people that live so random. Well, I'll come to church this Sunday, but then I'm going to go here next Sunday. I'm going to do this today. I'll, I'll pray today, but tomorrow I'm not going to pray. When I was Sunday school superintendent years ago at Star Bethlehem, on a Friday afternoon, this lady calls me that was a Sunday school helper in the church. And we always have, look, if you're going to, be, if you're going to help, if you're going to be a teacher, and we, we, we do that here, you know. Call, let somebody know you're not going to be there so we can... Fill in for you. This lady calls me on a Friday afternoon and says, Hey, Brother Daniel, I said, Hey, I'm going to be sick Sunday morning, and I'm not going to be at church. This is Friday evening. I said, Okay. We'll make sure your spot's filled. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I called pastor, and I told him, and he just laughed. He said, Well, it's, it's not uncommon. But two days before the time, I'm going to be sick. Instead of, Hey, Brother Daniel, I'm not feeling real well. There's a chance I could be sick, but will you help me pray that I could feel better? <laughs> but it's all right. I'm already planning on I'm going to be sick. But this is how we work a lot of times. But this elephant in the room today shows up in where we put our priorities, and it's so important. And I know all this kind of stuff runs together, but... What we see is if we don't have the priorities right, we're not going to pray right, we're not going to have relationships right, we're not going to have consistency in our life. And we need our priorities. So here's, here's the thing. This, when we look at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, when he said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, this sets a principle to where we know how to examine our priorities and to make sure that we get this elephant taken care of. Because I'm just going to be honest. Uh, uh, there's some people's not here for real reasons today, but some people are just not here because priorities, God's not first. All right? We got some sick. We got some on vacation. We got some that's got some real emergencies. But we got a lot of folks that it's just not a real priority. All right? Uh, and where we see it really hit in our church a lot of times is on a midweek service. It's so easy. I'm tired. I've done this and that. And then, but the thing is, that's the external that we see. But I have to only imagine that if, if church is that far down the line in the list in the world, 
then where does prayer come into your world? Where does the Bible reading come into your world? Where does God really fit inside of priorities? I, I want to unpack this today and help us to realize that when God becomes the, uh, when the main thing becomes the main thing in life, then priorities get straight and everything else begins to work in our life like it needs to be. So we have to examine our priorities and the priority should be to, we have to put God first. God demands top priority in our lives. Our, let me tell you, he refuses to be second to anything. God has this complex. He thinks he's God. And the truth is, he is. <laughs> and there's only one God, so we got to serve him. Jesus deserves to be number one because he made us. And what does it mean to have no other gods? When you look at that in the scripture, uh, you see it here behind me. You see the top verse says, And God, capital God, spake all these words. You see the bottom down there where it said, That shall have no other gods. That's little g. We have a lot of little g's in our life that becomes priority over the big g in our life. And we have to make sure that we put no other God before the God. And if it is anything that dominates or controls our life, it becomes a God in our life. It won't be the big G, but it becomes a God in our life. And even good things that God has created for us to enjoy can become God's when we give them first place in our life. As I mentioned, working, uh, sports habits, you know, fishing and, and hunting and all this kind of stuff shopping, whatever may be your flavor. It's not that those things are bad, but when we put them, when we give more priority to those than we do God, then we have some problems in the world. And every time God gives godly principles, He also gives us promises in our life. That's why He said in Proverbs 3 and 6, And all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. If you read that from the Living Bible, it says it this way, In everything you do, put God first. If I say, God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. I would dare say that we all want to be successful and hopefully successful in God's kingdom. But we have to examine this elephant in the room today of priorities and make sure we get God first in that. Because what, here's the thing. Whatever, whatever we want God to bless, if we will put God first in that area of our life, it will be blessed. If we don't put it first in our lives, then it's not going to be blessed. Uh, uh, you know, here's a good example of how it works. This is a study done by Harvard University. It said in marriages where the wedding is performed in a church, the divorce rate is 1 in 50. Okay? So basically they're saying if, People who gets married in a church, that means generally they have some type of connection to church. And they may not go to church all the time, but they know, if I'm going to get married, let's do it in a church. That's what it's saying here. I, I've been countless people that I've married that I really didn't know. We sit down and talk a little bit, but, you know, here's the thing. If somebody's living together, I try my best to help them live right. So if they're living together, I sit down and talk to them, and the first thing I try to do is break them up. Because if I can break them up, they don't need to get married. Just being plain and simple. And if I can't break them up, then I'll marry them. Because they don't need to live together. Because they're living in sin, fornication. We don't need that. So, but this is what it's saying. These people who may not go to church all the time, but they know. Uh, 
all right, I got to go to church and get married. One in 50 of those marriages in, in divorce, okay? So they've kind of put God first a little bit. But they went on with this study, and they said marriages where they're married in a Christian ceremony go to church every week, read the Bible, and pray together. All of a sudden, the divorce rate goes from 1 to 50 to 1 and 1,105. So every 1,105 of those type of marriages, only one of them get divorced. Why? They have put God first. So this is what I'm talking about. If we put God first, so how do we eat this elephant of putting God first, making sure that we put God first? So this is what I'm going to do. We're going to use an acronym of FIRST. Um, this is not mine original. If you've ever heard of Brother Raymond Woodward out of, uh, out of Canada, he's an incredible Bible teacher. You ought to look him up on YouTube or podcasts and listen to some of this stuff. If you like wide open preaching, you may not enjoy him, but if you enjoy down to earth, incredible teaching, Brother Woodward is the man, the guy that can forevermore do some incredible teaching. I've heard him do great preaching too. So he, he uses this acronym to help us to, prior, to eat this elephant and get God first in our lives. So all of this, Everything I'm saying with this is not originally mine, but I am putting my spin on this, all right? So, are you ready? You got pen and paper? If you don't, go back and listen to it on the podcast and get in pen and paper because I'm going to say some things that's going to help us and it's going to tighten up here immediately, all right? We're going to tighten up immediately because the very first word and in, in first that we need to put God first in is finances. If you want to make sure that God becomes priority in your life when we eat this elephant, this is a big elephant because you, you, we can have wide open good church and somebody can get up and start quoting, uh, uh, you know, how are you going to rob God by your tithes and offerings? You can tighten up real quick. But it's still the truth. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. The CEV version says, Honor the Lord by giving him your money and the first part of your crops. Then you will have more grain and grapes than you will ever need. I know this is a big elephant, and I know it makes people nervous, but it's something I have to talk about, not because we need your money at the church, because to be honest, if you're not giving your money at the church, We've been operating 15 years without your money anyway, so we're going to be okay. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm just trying to be real. But I'm trying to tell us today, here's the deal. Tithing, giving is not for God's benefit. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills. It is for you to be blessed. Because the whole principle of this is when we put God first, we prioritize our life in a certain area. We say, okay, God, you're going to be first in my money because it's his anyway. He has 100% of it. He's allowing us to operate off of 90%. He's, he's just saying, you just give me back 10% of that, and then I'll bless you with great blessings. So he's just saying, give me back the first part, and I'll bless all the rest of it. I'd rather try to operate on 90% and give him the 10%. He can bless my 90 a lot more than he will his 100 that he's letting me use. And the Bible teaches that money is... The number one test of our priorities. 
Our checkbook will reveal what is important to us. It will reveal what is important to us. If you don't believe me, you can go down through there. Here, here's just a test, okay? I'm, man, I, I know people get nervous when talking about money, but here's just the, the plain fact. Majority of the people that has been in church doing well, the, how I usually recognize the first thing that I know that they're on dangerous ground is when they quit giving an offering. I've heard Brother um, Wayne Huntley say that. And I've seen it to come true. Because what we spend money on tells where our priorities is at. It's a shame that we have people that spend hundreds of dollars on gadgets and toys and give nothing to the church. We have people that take and give, they buy invisible coins to play a digital game and more money is spent there than what they give to the church. Alright? Now, not what we say, but how, mu how much we... Here, here's the thing. The checkbook, it reveals really what's important to us. But it doesn't, it's not by what we say, but but by how we spend our money. Here's the thing. God's Word talks more about giving than either heaven or hell. Over half of Jesus' parables deals with the subject of money. There are promises in the Bible about giving that more than any, seem like more than any other subjects, like Deuteronomy chapter 14, 22 and 23. Thou shalt truly tithe all thy increase of thy seed that thy field bringeth forth year by year. Thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name therein. The tithe of the corn, the wine, the oil, the firstling, the herds, herds and of thy flocks, that they mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. See, the purpose of tithing is to teach us to always put God first in our lives. What is tithing? It's very simple. It's the first 10% of what I make goes back to God. I've dealt with people that's like, well, I give more than so-and-so. Tithing is not a dollar amount. It's a percentage. And I've literally had people to ask me, say, well, how much is so-and-so? That's none of your business. That's none of your business. Well, it's like, oh, I know I give more than them this week. And I, I've asked the question, did you give 10%? Yeah. Did they give 10%? No. Or yeah. It's like, well, you give the exact same amount. Because if you make $100,000, your tithe is going to be, anybody know? $10,000. If you make $100, your tithe is going to be $10. So the person who makes $100 pays $10 tithes. The person who makes $100,000 pays $10,000 of tithes. Guess what they've done? They've given the exact same amount. It's 10%. That's how it works. Why is that important? God says if I'm not tithing, he's not really first in my life. And if and if we're and let me help you out. If you're in a financial mess right now, the first step is to put God first in your finances. Take sacrificially, give something to God, and you watch what happens. I'm telling you. You, you gotta remember we remember this. Wherever we want God to bless, put him first in that area. So if you're struggling financially, I've literally had people to do this. They've given themselves out of a financial bind. They start giving, and it hurts. But all of a sudden, next thing you know, God 
begins to bless. And I'm not going to spend a whole more, lot more time on this. It would be a good time to go just sit down and, and, and talk about it, take an entire, because it's a great big elephant that we need to unpack and the people need to see. So I, well, uh, I, let me just go a little farther with that. When do we give? 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Where do we tithe? This is an issue. A lot of people say, well, well my, this and that one needed something, so I give them a tithe. That's not really where our tithes go. Where, where do we give our tithe? It's where uh, God's storehouse is. Where's God's storehouse? It's where we get fed spiritually. So it's the house of God. So the matter of tithing is, is the only, it's, it's also the only instance where God says, test me, prove me, try me, see if I exist. He says, let me bless you and prove myself to you by your tithes. That's what he says in Malachi 3.10. Bring all your tithes to the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now wherewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour, out, pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to receive it. So the very first area that we can figure out where we're, whether we're putting God first in our life is our finances. All right? And listen to me. You go, you go, evaluate your checkbook where you're sitting here or you're maybe listening on the podcast later look at your finances and if you're spending more money on gaming and uh internet on, on things that really that you can do without and you're not giving to the kingdom of god your priorities are messed up and god has he will not bless you in that situation so that's the first place all right all right So, elf and first finances. Number two, I will use interest, okay? Interest. Not like interest on money. I have trouble with getting the words all exactly where they need to be. My wife is up here. She'd correct me if I was wrong. And she'd probably correct me if I wasn't. So, that's what she does. That's okay. I love her anyway. 1 Corinthians 10 31. Wherefore, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. If God's really going to be number one, we must put him first in our interests. That means our amusements, our recreations, our hobbies, etc. So how do we eat this elephant in this area here? Everything we do, we got to do it with an attitude of gratitude that we put God first in that area. Enjoy the things that God has given you as long as they're not biblically wrong, okay? If it's biblically wrong, you don't need it. But if it's biblically okay, enjoy it, but make sure God is put first in that, all right? If you like to hunt and fish, goodness sakes, hunt and fish. But do not miss church to hunt and fish, all right? If, if you're a lady and you enjoy hunting and fishing, or how about we'll go with what ladies you like. If you like shopping, for goodness sake, shop. My wife loves purses, if you haven't noticed, all right? I'm just going to be honest. She buys some expensive purses sometimes. But you know what she also does? She also puts God first. It's okay for you to buy some expenses and spend some time on doing some things like that. As long as you put God first. I don't care if you're driving a Lamborghini and you can afford it. That's okay. As long as you're giving the, to the kingdom of God and missions and stuff like that. It's okay to go uh, do some different things that's 
biblically not wrong. But goodness sake, be thankful that you can do it. And don't put, make sure that you put God first. And you can tell what a person's priorities are by seeing what they get excited about. Seeing what people get excited about. Try to talk to somebody about having good church. Well, yeah, it was good. Well, who's playing in the, in the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah! Priorities messed up. God's not first. What's important to you? A good test is what you talk about the most. If God is the first thing in your life, He's going to be a part of your conversation. And here's the thing. You won't be ashamed to talk about Him because He comes first in your life. You know as well as I do. When you meet somebody, you start talking to them. If God is really a priority in your life, it's not going to take too long before they start talking about God. We're going to start talking about church. And this is what I'm talking about, their interest. And when our interest is in, is in, uh, in the wrong things, it speaks for itself. And when our priority is messed up here, we've got to be careful. Because Here you go, Ephesians 5, 19. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Ephesians 5, 19 I just read in the Living Bible, part of that says, talk with each other much about the Lord. It's okay to talk about hunting and fishing. It's okay to talk about good shopping deals or, or, or this or that. But we ought to have somewhere in the midst of our conversations good talk about the kingdom of God. All right? So, interest. What we're interested in. Make sure that God is number one in our interest. If you're not interested in church, you're not interested in the things of God, you're not interested in the kingdom growing, you're not interested in all these things, it will show up in your priorities because there won't be too long you'll be talking to somebody and it'll just show up. What you're interested in will show up. All right, so we got finances, we got our interests. The third thing is in our relationships. This is a big old elephant. Relationships. Proverbs 27, 19 says, As in water, face answereth to face. So the heart of man to man. The Living Bible puts it this way. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he really is, what, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. If we want God first in our life, we're going to have to choose our friends very, very carefully, okay? Sometimes our friends choose us. And we got to be careful with that too. But sometimes our friend, sometimes it's our family that's, that's, that makes it tough. But here's the thing. We become like the people we spend the most time with. When we first started the church years ago, um, Gum Street, the first families that come in, Dakota Little downstairs today, his family was like the second among the second third family come in and Dakota and his brother Allie and my two kids they were buddies and they hung out all the time and that they, they got their own Dakota and, and and Allie got their own little slang talk not bad or anything just the way they talk and done things it wasn't too long all of a sudden my kids is talking like them and they're not bad talk no, no means it's just just kid talk you know saying little things and I'm like I can tell you're talking to them and hang around with them and that's how it works, okay? You can take somebody out of Asia that if you've seen them out and about, you think, well, man, they're going to have that Asian accent. But if they was brought to America 
and adopted at a young age, they wouldn't have that accent. Because the people we spend time with is the ones we end up being talking like. And I could always tell as my kids got older, I, I was like, you've been hanging, you've been talking to them too much because you're sounding too much like them. Or it's been times, of, I can tell you've been spending time with that person. I like this. Because we become like the people we spend the most time with. And if we spend time with people who take God lightly, we'll tend, we'll tend to take God lightly. We'll, we'll be casual. But if we spend time with people who are committed, take God at His word, they take God seriously, we will become stronger and a more committed child of God. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 and 17, arn sharpens arn. We want to get sharper. We want to get a better edge in our life biblically. Let's hang around people that's sharp with the Word of God. They will sharpen our lives. They will make us better in our lives. And parents, we've got to be careful with what type of people we expose our children to. Who do we spend time with and, and who we invite in our home is very, very dangerous. That includes what you watch and what you listen to in your house. We might not invite somebody to come in our house that, would, uh, that we know would have a lot of curse words or talk about a lot of dirty stuff, but yet we'll let them watch it on the TV. There's not no difference. we got to be careful with that. We may, not, uh, we may not sing certain songs in our house that may have bad lyrics and things, but yet we'll, we'll turn it on on the radio and let it come through there. we got to be careful. we got to make sure that those things model the kind of behavior we want in our kids' lives and our lives. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The CEV version says it this way, Wise friends make you wise, but you hurt yourself by going around with fools. If we really want God first, then some relationships are just wrong for us. And unfortunately, sometimes it's family. Because it's always easier to pull someone down than to pull somebody up. It's easy to reach up and just pull somebody down to your level. But we need somebody that will pull us up. Pull us higher in God. Challenge us to be more. Challenge us to be uh, a greater in God or, or a greater just in society and life, period. Alright? So, we got finances. We got, we got interests. We got relationships. The fourth thing here, it's five things, so you know I'm almost done here. The fourth thing here is schedule. All right? Where, where's our priority in our schedule? Ephesians 5, 16 and 17 says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Again, I'll use another version for part of that. It's the PH version. Make the best use of your time despite all the evils of these days. Don't be vague, but grasp firmly what you know to be the will of the Lord. How do I put God first in my schedule? How do I get a hold of this? Number one, let's ask God to help me use my time wisely. And how you do that? You make a to-do list. I have been good with this, and I've been bad with this. As of lately, I need to do better with planning my time because I want to tell you, if you don't, 
there is time stealers out there they will snatch your time away from you in a heartbeat that's why it is good when you feel like you're getting out of sync your schedules are getting out of whack get your calendar uh, go get that notebook <laughs> and write down evaluate your time figure out and say you can ask God he'll show you God which things do you want me to do God what is important we don't have time to do everything selecting what needs to be done is very important and there are some big things in our lives important. We all have heard the story. The professor come in, put the big glass jug up there, put some big rocks in there, and said, is there room in there for anything else? And then he put pebbles in there. Is there room for anything else? Then he put sand in there. And he asked them, is there any room for anything else? And they, then he put water in there. And he asked, he said, what, what's the moral of the story? And somebody made the comment that, uh, that we always can get more in and the professor stepped back and said, no, if you don't put the big items in first, you'll never get them in. And we got to make sure we get the big items in in our, in our schedule of our life. God has a plan for our life. So we find ourselves having more things to do than we have time to do. It means we're doing some things that aren't God's will in our life. If we're running out of, of day and we still have things to do, there's a good chance that there's some things that's keeping us from prayer. There's some things that's keeping us from Bible study. There's some things that's keeping us from attending church. Let me just say this and be honest today. If you find yourself not being at church all the time or not praying all the time, you need to back up and look at your schedule and say, God, where is my priority here? Because God has to be one of those big rocks that we put in that glass in our life and say, God, I want to make sure I get prayer in. I want to make sure I get Bible reading in. I want to make sure I get some time of reflection and thanksgiving, which I know some of that goes in with, with prayer, you know. I want to make sure that I'm making time to go to church. Some things may be good, but God will never put more on us than he puts in us okay God is not going to put more on us than he puts in us we're human okay on our best day we're human we can't do it all the older I get the more I realize I need more sleep alright I was talking to Jimmy he's working a new job they're working him a lot and he's like he, he come he went he worked pretty much all night long Friday night. And then he met Texas and fished with him. He was at my house all day long and hadn't slept none. And finally crashed. I said, son, that's going to catch up to you. You can't do that. All right? But if we really want God to be first in our life, then we need to make a daily appointment with God, read our Bibles, pray and review, and see what needs to be priority in our life. Even Jesus felt that need to daily prayer. Mark 1.35, in the morning rising up a great while before, he went out, departed a solitary place, and there he prayed. If you've never read Stephen Covey's best-selling book, Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People, I challenge you to read that or get the audio version and listen to it. Um, quickly, want to give you something. He talks about something that he teaches um, that's very similar to the first commandment about putting 
first things first is what he says. You know, we put God first. But he said, put first things first. And he gives four quadrants of time management. And quadrant one is urgent, important. Um, quadrant two is not urgent and important. Quadrant three is urgent and not important. And quadrant four is not urgent, not important. And quadrant two contains all things we know we need to do, but somehow we seldom get to that thing. So we can see quadrant one is problems. Quadrant two is preparation. Quadrant three is the popular things. And quadrant four is pleasant. And he says the highly effective people spend much time as possible in quadrant two, which is preparation. All right? And our spiritual life grows out of that quadrant two. It's important but not urgent. We have to take the initiative in our life to do the things and prioritize and get it ready. You have to plan, all right? One of the biggest things to accomplish anything in life is planning to get it done. Because when you go into something and you don't have a plan, you're in trouble, all right? You're in trouble. And that's why we got to make sure that, that we, uh, we schedule before the day. Here's the thing. Let me say this. I go to the last thing. If you don't schedule your day, somebody will. All right? So it's important. And if you don't schedule God into it, somebody will schedule their way into your way. That's why I like to rise early up before anybody starts messing my world and make sure that I give God the first of my day. I'll give it time out through the day, but I make sure I fit him in in case an emergency happens and somebody tries to take my God time. You're not going to get it if I put him first. All right? The last thing here is T of first, and that's troubles. Let's put God first in our troubles. Psalms 15, 15, and I call upon, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. God says, turn to me first when you've got a problem. You start feeling sick, let's, instead of running, we run so easy to the medicine cabinet, let's face it, God, can you touch my headache? You'd be surprised how many times God would touch that headache, but we just don't ask. Just being real today. See, prayer should be the first option, not the last resort. God's waiting to hear from us. He's saying, put me first, even in your time of trouble. And some people think, you know, I don't talk to God much uh, when times are good, so I sure don't want to bother him while I'm having problems. But God's not saying that. He said, bother me. Don't carry this all by yourself. He knows we're human. And, and how do we know when God is really first in our life? And this brings it all to a close. Is when we stop worrying about everything. This is how we know when we, we've got this elephant eaten down and we realize that we're really putting God first. Is we stop worrying. Because worrying is the warning light that God is not first in my life at a particular moment in my life. When I start worrying, you ready for this? I start playing God. That's tough, but it's real. It's truth. When God is not first in my finances, my interests, my relationships, my schedules and troubles, guess what I do? I worry about them. But when I know I'm tithing and I'm giving offerings and I have a financial bump, this is tough. But I can say, God, I'm a tither. You owe it to me. And I ain't got to worry about it. 
When I start having some rocky rock relationships going on, and I can just step back and say, okay, God, I try to keep you first in this. All of a sudden, my schedule gets knocked off kilter a little bit. I know. I've already put God in there first. This must be the track you want me to go down today, God. It's okay. And if trouble starts coming, I can just turn to him and say, okay, God, it's you. You're in control. That's why the elephant of priorities must be eaten and become a priority in our life. Here's the thing, Matthew 6, 33 and 34, as I bring this to close, I, I talked about this scripture earlier. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Take therefore no thought for your tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take no thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. You ever notice that Jesus said right in the middle of the Sermon on, on the Mount, he decided to throw a little part in there about worry. Putting God first is the antidote for worry so this is my challenge to you whatever you're worrying about right now figure out how you can put God first in it if it's a wayward child you start taking them to God every day and say God that's your child it's my child but he's also yours I give him to you if it's your finances the first thing you need to do is start giving to the church if it's relationships, you go down through there and you make sure there's nobody in there that's pulling you away from God. If it is, you take and you, you swap some places. It may take some time. You get where God's first. Matthew 6, 20 through 6, 32 and 34 from the CEV says it this way. Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. That's tough. Your Father in heaven knows that you need all these, but more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. A synonym of priorities is the word urgencies. All right? What becomes priority in our lives are the things we value as the most urgent thing in our life. This is going to be tough, but I'm going to say it. There are times in life that I have seen people that materialism, things of this world, becomes more urgent than the kingdom of God. I have a buddy of mine. He called me. He said, man, I just have my water line just blowed all over the place. It was right at church time. I said, you're going to take care of that and not come to church? He said, no, I'm going to shut the water off and I'm going to come to church. It'll be there when I get back. I don't know, maybe situations we can't always do that. But if we don't make putting Jesus and spending eternity with Jesus the most urgent thing in our lives, then life will slip away and we'll be lost. All right? But if we'll do what? multi Beholdovang, that's a funky name, but that's, I searched it. That's the best I can figure out how you say it. She said, start from here. Now is all you have. There will never be a better place or time. And by tomorrow, you would have lost more time. You know when the best time to, to plant a tree is? 20 years ago. You know when the best second time to, to plant a tree is? Today. This is what I'm talking about. There's things that 20 years ago that should have been planted in our life that we couldn't plant. But there's nothing we can do about it. You know what we can do, though? We can start it today. We can start today. That's very powerful. 
So let us start today and put God first in just these five things. And our lives will forever change. I close with this quote from John Rowan. He said, without a sense of urgency, desire loses its value. Let me reframe it for our lesson today with my own words. Without a sense of priority for eternity and the things of God, the desire for God loses its value. So, I challenge us to make sure that God becomes the first thing in our life. I'm done today. Could we just ask the Lord to touch right now? Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for being in the house of God today. Lord, I just ask you to touch every life. Lord, from 